Salam, salam, ishtanin, singe. I swear, like, every time I say this intro, I hate it, and I blame your husband for it. <laughs> I was about to say, it sounds a lot like his. <laughs> yeah, it's because he started this. Uh, welcome, everyone, to the TSN podcast. Uh, my name is Dawood, also known as Diz, and we have Susan Aziz with us. So for those of you who might have, like, not watched or listened to stuff before, this is Susan's first time on the podcast. So hi, Susan. Hi, Diz. Hi, everyone else. I'm Susan Aziz. I'm a new member of TSN. And for this episode, Diz and I had the opportunity to sit with the lovely Sultana Mangal, who is um, also a member of TSN and our millennial representative, along with Diz and I. Um, and then also Sharifa Yar, our Afghan rep for Gen Zs. We're yeah. really excited for you to hear this conversation. It was a cool conversation. So our, our talk this week was about the uh, generational divide and how to speak to your parents through that generational divide. Uh, we got into some interesting topics, like talked about how to talk about religion with your parents, um, dating. Um, I think we brought up like alcohol, it's a little taboo, but we, we brought all that up and it was cool to hear like how our like experiences were different. Like even not just from an age, like range difference, but also like a, like a gender, like uh, there was, three uh, women and then me so like our experiences even just in that were different so it was a really cool conversation that we had yeah we're really excited for you to hear it um and yes it definitely did get uh we went past our pg rating um and definitely brought in a little bit of sex drugs and alcohol yeah that was that was the you know you don't really expect to hear that from an afghan conversation so it, it is going to be uh a little more PG-13, I would say, this one. So maybe don't have your parents listen to this episode. Um, unless, you know, like you're open with your parents like that. And good for you if you are. Yeah, totally. Feel free to use this as a conversation starter. Yeah. Um, and if you have any thoughts on it after listening, make sure to tweet it at us at Samawar Network on Twitter. You can also catch us on uh, YouTube. Just look up the Samawar Network on YouTube. And then we're also on Instagram at Samawar Network. And same on Facebook. So give us your thoughts and make sure after you listen, you go and give us a five-star rating and a review. Um, and also have your other friends that are Afghan listen to this because it might be able to help them in the future if they want to have some of these uncomfortable conversations with their parents. Enjoy. The Network. Salam, guys. Welcome back. Uh, I'm Daoud. I'm one of the coordinators here for the Samawar Network. Um, today, we're going to be talking about taboo topics and how we have like difficult conversations with our parents. Um, we're doing a generational divide here, so un reluctantly, we're going to tell you guys how old we are too and what generation we identify as. Um, so I'm Daoud. I'm from Orange County. I'm 31, which uh, sucks to say out loud, and uh, I'm a millennial. And then I have my great co-host, Susan Aziz. Susan, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Hi, I'm Susan Aziz, and I'm way less embarrassed about my age. Um, I'm also a uh, coordinator with TSN. I'm pretty new. This is my first time doing a podcast, and I'm really excited. I'm calling in from Riverside, California, but I still represent the DMV, D.C., Maryland, Virginia. I miss it a lot. I'm 30 years old, and I guess I'm also considered a millennial. Uh, I'm really excited to have this conversation. I think that obviously this is something we're doing all the time. So here we are ready to talk about the, the ups and downs of having these talks with our parents. <laughs> There's a lot of downs. Um, and so we have two amazing guests with us today. If you'd like to go ahead and introduce yourself, our first guest is Sharifa Yar. Hi, I'm Sharifa. Um, I'm from Maryland, like Susan said, I'm from the DMV. Um, I'm 19 years old. I'm a part of Gen Z. Um, I'm also really excited to have this conversation because since I'm 19, I am still living this right now. This is currently my reality. Um, and I'm really excited to talk about it to hopefully maybe help somebody with this. Um, Sultana, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm Sultana. I was born and raised in St. Louis. 
Um, I guess I identify as a millennial, but I, I really feel more like a boomer at times. I'm 28 years old, uh, but I will be 29 in about a month. Um, and I'm also on the some of our network team. So, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, and this is your second podcast. We brought you on uh, before. Uh, so this is the second time for you to be on here. And then I'm we have basically a pro. Yeah, and then we have two people that are uh, coming on for the first time. So this this should be fun. Um, so we're we're gonna be talking about having these like converse difficult conversations with our parents. And I know for myself, uh, being the oldest in the family, it's a little bit easier for me to have these conversations with my mom than it would be for my uh, younger siblings. Um, so I actually have these conversations with her. Uh, for you guys, just real quick, I want to gauge the room. Do you guys actually have these conversations with your parents? And I think be, where you're at on like oldest, middle, youngest child also plays a part. Um, if you want to tell like if you're the oldest, youngest or the middle child as well. So Susan, I'm going to go to you first. Ooh, I get to answer this one too. Yes. Okay. So I am the second child and, um, I would say that as I've gotten older and honestly, like as I've moved out, I've had these conversations more with my parents. Um, I ha they existed. I had them before, but I feel like I didn't handle them very well. Um, what about you, Sharifa? Um, I'm the third child. So like I'm, I'm, I'm almost the youngest that my younger brother is the last one of us, but we, I don't really have these types of conversations with my parents. Um, even my older sister, she's 24. Uh, she doesn't really have these conversations with them either. So I think that um, talking about this would really bring light for that on me, to, like, make easier, to make it easier on me to, like, talk about this with my parents too. I think for the most part what we've talked about is, like, curfew and, like, going out with your friends and stuff like that or moving away for college. But, like, other stuff we haven't really talked about or touched base on that. And then Sultana, what about you, what about Sultana? You? Yeah, so I'm the youngest. Um, my two old, older siblings will probably say they like paved the way for me and I've had it easy, but um, I have a really unique relationship um, with my mom specifically. Like I always compare it to like Lorelai and, and Rory Gilmore from the Gilmore <laughs> Girls, that relationship where you can talk about anything. And my mom is my best friend. I have these conversations like every day, all day. Um, with my dad, it's probably more of a traditional relationship. And I guess I'm okay with that just because of how close I am with my mom that I'm I'm fine with the the relationship with I had I have with my dad in the more traditional sense. See, it's also uh, so we have three women on the podcast as you guys you guys all identify as female, right? I'm not like misgendering anyone. Okay, yes. good. <laughs> yes. I have to make sure. Um, but uh, so for me being the only like male on the on this podcast, and I have a single mom, right? So. I had to have these conversations with her because I didn't have anyone else to have these conversations with, right? Like my dad passed away when I was really young. So I had no other person and I was super scared to have these conversations when I was younger. I think the age for me where I felt more comfortable talking to my mom about things that may be more difficult for us to talk about was around like 17 or 18. So I was almost an adult by that point when I had those conversations with her. But when I was younger, I just didn't know how to have those conversations. Um, so there was a lot of stuff that like I would hide from her. Like I, she didn't know about like me dating when I was younger. She kind of like would, she was like would clue on to it, but she didn't confirm it with me. But now that like I'm older, um, my now fiance, like my mom knew that we were dating from like after my second date with her. And uh, she was in the whole process of like when I wanted to get engaged and I told her about the proposal and all that stuff. And she helped me pick out rings and she's been like, you know, it's been a lot easier now that I'm older. But when I was younger, it was tougher conversations because I didn't know how to do it. Um, for you guys, at what age did you feel more comfortable speaking to your parents um, and whoever wants to answer this? Um, I feel like the the way like with somebody feeling comfortable talking about their parents I think that it also goes hand in hand with the fact that like our parents will like at least for and for me my parents have uh, like until we move out they don't really see us as like mature or they don't really see us as adults since like 
they they pay for rent for us like they pay for food for us they pay for everything the only things that we pay for are like our wants so i think that for them it's like hard for them to see of us being like our own individual person and are like us being mature and like being able to handle things on our own just because they've like take they've taken care of us our entire lives um what about you sultana yeah so i think i i first tested it out when i was 14 years old and i remember i and this is I guess it's ironic because it was in like masjid. It was like in Saturday school where you go and you learn the Quran. And I remember there's this cute boy in my class. And I was like, I'm going to tell my mom that I think this guy is cute. And I was 14. I was like, okay, I'm just going to try it. And I told her and she went on like, that's like before we were really close. Um, She probably went on like a five minute rant about how it was inappropriate for me to think that he was cute and that I shouldn't be like, I shouldn't be thinking about like those things at that age. And I was like, okay, I'm never going to do this again. Um, But then around 16, I started just opening up to my mom a little bit more. And I think it was because I was at, I was just always honest in my conversations and I was, I just wouldn't really lie to my, I, I did not like lying until this day. Like I don't like lying and I would just feel guilty if I ever did. Um, and so I was always honest with my mom and I was always honest with my parents. And um, we just started having like real conversations early on. And I think she just saw that like, you know, I'm probably a little bit more mature than a regular 16 year old. And those conversations just became more real. So around, yeah, around 16 or so. You know what's funny? Um, you bring up how you told your mom that you found a guy was cute at the masjid, and it and she had like a negative reaction to it, right? And it uh-huh. made it kind of made you not want to talk to her about it for a, a few more years. Mm-hmm. I had the opposite, right? And I think it's again there is a gender divide, right? Me being a guy, it's more acceptable for me to like date girls or bring girls over. I brought two girls over to my house i thought my mom was at a party and she wasn't going to be home so i was 16 years old and it was me and uh my buddy viet we brought these two persian girls back to my house uh their names were yasmin and pamela so that yasmin's now happily married and pam's happily married with a kid uh neither of which are married to me and viet but we're still close uh but we brought them over and it wasn't like i wasn't even dating these girls right it was just they were two of my close friends and we brought them over and um, my, we were going to go out to the mall, right? Because that's what you do when you're 16. You go to the mall and you walk around and you wear your nicest gear and you walk around Springfield Mall. Because um, that's what you're supposed to do in, in the, the DMV is you go to Springfield Mall. or what, I don't know what the big mall is in Maryland. Frederick something mall. Or, Shout out Montgomery Mall. Montgomery Mall. Lake there. Forest for the originals. <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah i i we never went to maryland that was the bougie area. <laughs> <laughs> but uh my mom came home early and she came home like 15 minutes before we were supposed to leave and i'm sitting there freaking out i'm like oh shit dude there's two fucking girls at the house and like my mom's coming home like what do i do and my mom pulls me aside and she's like did you offer them food and i'm like what no she's like you have people at the house, you have guests over and you didn't offer them anything to eat. Did you offer them anything to drink? Like, did I not raise you better than this? And she's like, she brings me out and in front of the girls, she's like, I'm sorry that my son was very rude. If you guys are hungry, let me make you something real quick. Like, do you guys want any water? Do you want any juice, soda? Like, I'll take care of it. And the girls were super like, just quiet. Like, no, we're, we're, we're fine. Miss Waziri. Thank you. Um, <laughs> And after that day, I'm like, all right, my mom's chill. Like I could, she doesn't care if I have girls at the house. I've never brought girls over afterwards, right? Like I didn't want to test my limits, (laughs) but I realized like, okay, if I do bring a girl over, she's not going to flip out. And uh, that reaction kind of made it so that I started to feel more comfortable. And it's funny how you had the opposite reaction like your mom reacted differently to mine. And I think our moms are very similar. Both of our moms are religious. Your mom wears mm-hmm. a hijab as well, right? Yeah. Yep. So like our moms are both religious and they just had two opposite reactions. Now, I wonder if that's because I'm a guy. Like, I don't know how she would react if I was a girl. Have you guys ever had that dating conversation with your parents? Yeah. So I think, you know, I, I, I was thinking about your situation as you were explaining it. I think the rules would have been the same for my brother had he wanted to have um, girls who were friends over it would be the same thing for me and uh, my sister as well. I don't think that my parents would want my brother to have more 
freedom just because he was a guy. And I think they did a really good job of making sure that didn't happen in almost any like situation growing up. I mean, it happened if I can, if I give some thought to it, I'm sure there are like specific moments I can think about, but I think for the most part, it was pretty equal within uh, my family's context. Also agreeing with Sultana, um, I think my parents also did like a really good job of making sure that religiously at least, um, they kept it equal between us. But I do see like the divide between genders, not with relationships, just because that's something like my parents weren't okay with. Like from the start, they haven't been, or at least from what I see now, they are not okay with that. But I think that the generals where I see my brother like having more freedom versus like over my older sister is like when he goes out with his friends or like if he comes home at a later time or something like that, I feel like my parents are more lenient towards him doing that as opposed to like my sister. Um, and I think that's pretty common. I don't think that's like only my household. I think that we see this in most Afghan households where guys usually, or Muslim households in general, um, guys usually have more freedom to go out and with their friends and do what they want as opposed to like what the girls do. Just because I think that it's more of a stereotypical thing where women should like stay home and like they shouldn't be going out and like, you know, men have the freedom to do whatever they want to. Like you mentioned before, since you are a guy, your mom, I don't think she had like a terrible reaction to it just because you are a guy. If I feel like if a girl brought two guys home um, and you guys were planning on going to the mall, I feel like the reaction would have been completely different. Yeah. A more negative uh, reaction to that. Well, I mean, I th there there is a double standard. Let's not we yeah. can't sugarcoat that enough right there is a yeah. double standard yeah. in how afghan parents and muslim parents on a broader scale parent their their children um based on on genders and susan you were gonna say something i was just gonna say i feel like part of it that goes into what your mom did is also that afghan cultural piece of like yeah. feed the guests and like did they drink their tea my parents did that with my friends all the time too but when it came to going to the mall after the sit, sit down who are like, and then let those guys leave. But we served them their tea, we gave them their food, and now what? <laughs> and I feel like personally for me, my parents probably wouldn't have even had a conversation about it after that. Um, in my experience, my uh, especially my mom, she would always just make these little power moves to like let us know, not okay. But <laughs> there was no like actual conversation. I remember the first time I tried to talk to my mom about a boy, I was in fifth grade. Yes, I was bold. Um, and I was also Bolder a chatterbox. <laughs> I, was, I was just like very talkative and I couldn't hold things in. I'm still like that. And um, so I, I told her I thought this boy was really cute. And I had a picture of him because back then we would exchange like our pictures that we took for school. And she took the picture out of my hand and she ripped it up. And oh, she wow. didn't say a word. She just ripped it up. And I was like, okay. Mes Damn. Message it was like received. That. She, she ripped I tried a few phone. times after that too. But, you know, I, I have this memory embedded in my head. I was like 10. And I just, I remember the look she gave me while she, she didn't even look at the picture. She was straight eyes on me while she was ripping up the picture into tiny, tiny pieces. Yeah. Okay. So you brought up. And I was like, oh. like <laughs> what were you saying to Lana? Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, so when, when was like the next time you had a conversation like that with your mom? I, another time was when I was in middle school and I, I remember walking back to the car from the mall shopping with my mom. And I, I remember asking her something along the lines of like, mom, when is it okay to like, you know, date? I have friends that are like dating. And she stopped me mid sentence and was like, we don't talk about that. I was like, oh. okay. Wow. But it was just, and I realized that it wasn't really her, it was more her dis, like discomfort around that topic. Even as I got older, she still had a sense of discomfort around that topic. Even now when we talk about it, it it's something that makes her feel, I can tell it makes her feel uncomfortable. It's just so unfamiliar. And I feel like she would be like, ah, why are we talking about this? Stop. Is it a generational thing for them, right? Because, yeah. so... In, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna totally out my mom here, but my mom claims she never dated my dad, but they fucking dated, right? Like, they, <laughs> she's like, no, but shame. We just talked on the phone. We went out and had dinner together. I'm like, mom, that's dating. Like, <laughs> you were you were secretly talking on the phone. 
you would go out and hang out and see if you guys were compatible. You guys may not have gotten physical, but you still dated, right? And, like, I know, like, my parents dated. Um, You guys don't have to out your parents if they dated. But do you think because maybe my because my mom dated that maybe she was more okay with us dating or even if your parents had dated would would they have been the same way like hell no you you can't date nobody so my parents have a pretty interesting story they grew up together they were like the family friends for such a long time my mom's older sister married my dad's older brother Like the families were just so well connected. They'd always known each other. So I don't know if they ever dated, but it it just, it makes me wonder, like, was there ever anything else there in all that time that you knew each other before getting married? Um, But I feel like they wouldn't even out themselves right now. If I asked, they'd be like, no, we didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they, they, uh, I've noticed the older generation is very secretive. Um, I could speak to my, my cousin who's in her forties. So she's in, she's Gen X, right? Um, her now husband and father of her two children, they've been married for like 20 something years now. Uh, they were dating when they were in college. Uh, they were long distance dating cause he lived here and she lived in Virginia. And when I say here, I mean, uh, orange County. Um, so they dated long distance and he would go and visit her in Virginia and she would come out to like California, like She'd pretend she'd be on a girl's trip with one of her friends and like they'd, they'd come and hang out. But nobody knew, right? Like I think maybe her close friends knew, but the cousins didn't know. Nobody else knew. Um, when they got engaged, it kind of came out of left field. I thought, I was like, are they getting arranged? Is this an arranged marriage? I remember in, like I was in sixth grade thinking that like, then buddy, I'm getting an arranged marriage. And then I realized afterwards, no, she was fucking dating dude. Like they had to have been. And then she confirmed it. Like, years later, once I was an adult, she finally confirmed it. Um, But, like, they would never talk about dating in front of their parents. It was a whole different conversation for them. And I think for them, it's because they were born in Afghanistan and then came to America later. So they kind of grew up on different cultural norms than we did because all of us were born here, right? We're all second-generation immigrants. Yep, yep. For those yes. who can't who can't see, everyone nodded yes. Just oh. for for the podcast listeners, we're not putting the video out on this anyway. But for the podcast listeners, everyone did agree. Um, and that's that's weird to me, right? That they never. Well, I guess it's weird to me that you guys haven't actually. When so, Susan, when you were dating Omar, did you tell your parents that you were dating him? Oh my God, yes. I like sh- not my dad, but my mom. I told her from the moment I saw Omar and had a crush on him. I was like, Mom, look at this guy. He's so cute. And she was like, Get the phone out of my face. <laughs> um, but I would always push her to like having these talks with me, even though I knew it made her uncomfortable. And she would make them really short and really awkward. Um, but she knew right from the very beginning that I was interested in this guy. But I wasn't very honest about, like, all the times that I hung out with him. <laughs> Which is fair. Yeah. Yeah. I still I, went on girls trips and things like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I've, I've done that to my mom, too, even though she's more acceptant of it. And she was, like, she tried stalking my now fiancé on Facebook. She was like, tell me her last name. <laughs> like, what's her Instagram handle? What's her Snapchat? I'm like, mom, you're not adding my girlfriend on Snapchat. Like, what's wrong with you? You can't. That's weird. But she was, like obsessed with trying to find out like everything she could about her um you kept pushing the conversations so when you guys uh so sharifa and sultana when you guys have a conversation with your parents and it turns out in a negative way how do you then react do you still try to push the conversation or do you shut down i'm gonna go to you first sharifa on this um it depends on what the conversation is about like it, it depends on how my parents react to it so if they do like completely shut it down and it's like out of the question, I kind of just like leave it be for a little bit. I don't want to like keep pushing at it. And then like, because if I do that, then like they'll get irritated and they just don't want to talk about it anymore. I feel like if I leave it for like maybe a day or something like that and I try to like reopen the conversation, then like maybe they'll be a little bit more open since we had already like discussed it previously. But if I keep like like if I did what Susan did, if I kept like pushing at it and like the same time, I feel like my parents are the type to get aggravated very easily. Like they would need time to process what I'm trying to tell them before I like push it all onto them. Yeah. And then for you, Sultana? 
Yeah, I think our parents have like a certain like emotional and like cultural capacity when it comes to our conversations. And I think from my experience, what I have learned over the years is the best thing is to kind of just do it piece by piece, like introduce it, talk about it briefly, and then let them finish it on their own time and then bring it up at like a later date, no matter like how hard the conversation is. And you know, you need to have that like conversation with them. I've just found like not overwhelming them in every conversation that you're having with them. Damn. The male privilege is real for me because (laughs) if I know that I'm going to have a conversation with my mom that she may not like, I'll still push it. And like, I'm going to push it until she hears me and she gets it. So I drink, right? My mom's very religious. She's not a fan of alcohol at all. And I didn't start drinking until I was 22 years old, by the way. So I was, an adult i looked up things i saw how my friends and my cousins were when they drank and then i made a decision okay i'm gonna have a few drinks here and there and i had that conversation with my religious mother like mom just a heads up when i go out i'm gonna have a few drinks and you may not like it and you may not accept it but this is what i'm gonna do and i didn't take no for an answer she told me she hated it she's to this day she still tells me she hates it she tries to throw away my freaking four hundred dollar bottle of scotch every other day when like she sees it in my closet i don't allow it to happen but she tries and i think because i'm a guy i'm able to do that i'm able to push those boundaries with her um i i can't say the same for other women in my family like i don't think like my female cousins could do that with their parents like my cousins who are in their 40s and are married and shit still hide that they drink in front of their parents and it's funny like they have kids of their own but they're hiding that they drink in front of their parents and that throws me off um so it's it there's definitely a uh a, a a boundary that guys can push that women can't and that it's it trips me out seeing how you guys have to like think like okay I pissed them off. Let me wait a day or two to <laughs> come back. And I'm just like, fuck it. I'm doing this. You may not like it, but I'm doing it. Or maybe I'm just an asshole. <laughs> so I don't know if that's the experience, if, if it's a guy thing, or maybe just I'm different because I'm an asshole. We'll, uh, we'll pose this question to the listeners. You guys can tweet us at Samoa <laughs> Network and let us know how, how your reactions are to that. Um, I think it's a um, mix of the two. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Because I'm... Oh, yeah, I'm I didn't- Sorry, oh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say I'm definitely an asshole. <laughs> um, I wanted to add on um, to what you said about um, what you were talking about. Um, I think it also goes hand in hand with the fact like I, I I'm 19 and I also I like don't see myself taking part in drinking. But um, I think that like it goes hand in hand if you live with your parents. I think it goes like with the fact that you have to or at least this is what I think you'd have to like respect their rules you know, if they set like certain guidelines that they would want you to live under because you're living under their house, I think to them that it's like, well, if you don't want to abide by these rules, like, like, you know, I'm paying the, they're paying the rent. So like, you know what I mean? It's just kind of like, you, no, have to, you need to have boundaries with that. Yeah, that I understand. Granted, yeah. my mom lives with me. There's a difference there. So okay, she, yeah, there she, 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 can't, she can't pull that card on yeah. She has to follow your rules. She no, should be taking exactly. a drink there, of your there, scotch. There, there's an understanding. <laughs> I don't, like, I don't, yeah, I'll, I'll tell her you said that on Saturday. Please don't. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Um, but I, I, like, I don't drink in the house, right? It's a thing mm-hmm. that I won't do. Yeah, like, I have, I have my bottle here because it was, it was sent to me as a gift, but I'm, like, I'm going to take that out one day. But I don't drink in the house because I know that she doesn't like it. And there's certain rules that we we do abide by right even though i don't live under the same like practices that she does i still abide by her cultural norms so i don't do it there um but i i do get what you're saying there is especially when you're younger like yeah you have no choice but to listen to your parents because what the hell else can you do i, I can move out on my own but then she would be stuck so it's uh, or you yeah. can have difficult conversations <laughs> it's true Speaking i will of, say sorry, sorry go ahead I was just going to add one more thing to that point, because I do feel like while the obviously drinking is such a big topic, I feel like we could literally have an entire like podcast episode on just Afghans who drink versus ones who don't. But um, I mean, I moved out of my house, too. And, you know, I live all the way on the other side of the country now. And like, I still feel so weird about it. I also I, I drink every now and then. Um, and like, I enjoy a glass of red wine and 
I, I'm too scared to tell my parents. Like I, I really want to, and I try so hard to work myself up to like talk to them about it, to let them know that like, I recognize that there's a difference between an unhealthy way of drinking and a healthy way of drinking and that I'm, you know, I'm mature and I work with, you know, people who like have addiction and things like that. And I know what I'm doing, yet I can't work up the courage to do it mostly because I feel like they would be so disappointed in me. And I hide my alcohol bottles and stuff like that whenever, like if there's a picture being taken, I'm like, wait, hold on, I have to move that. Or if anyone's visiting or, you know, there's this sense of, I don't know, sometimes shame that comes with it just around my parents, but not others. I feel like I'm pretty vocal about it with others where I'm like, or not vocal, but I'm not, I'm not going to hide it. Yeah, you're not Um, passive about it. Yeah. So even if even though I don't live with my parents anymore and I, I know I don't have to you know respect their rules under their roof, there's still a sense of like, how do I talk to them about this in a way that will help them understand? I think I've come to the conclusion that that they that they won't understand and that I'd rather not start that conversation with them. But I yeah. second guess myself with that all the time. Well, I think the thing is, is we live a hyphenated identity, right? That's a, a, a conversation we could just have on just being Afghan and American and living between both cultural norms. Um, and, and living in that, our parents don't understand certain things the way we do. Um, do you guys ever have to have conversations about like politics with your parents? So uh, <laughs> you guys... Don't live in Cal. Oh, Susan, you live in California now. But in uh, 2008, there was a proposition called Prop 8. Uh, Prop 8 was a proposition that was going to overturn gay marriage being legal in California. Um, so if you voted yes on Prop 8, that meant that pe- people who are gay can't get married in California. And I had to have this conversation with my religious mom, who didn't un- like. She was very no, I'm going to, I'm going to vote that they can't get married. And I had to have these difficult conversations about stuff outside of like myself. All right. So we're talking about same sex marriage. And that conversation went really tough for me because she's coming from a religious point of view and I'm trying to like get her to think outside of religion and also trying to make her change the way she sees religion which is a tough conversation in itself um Mm. have you guys ever had that conversation with like right now we have black lives matter going on um i mean it's been going on but we're seeing like protests just last week jacob blake was shot are you guys having like conversations about what's going on in today's society outside of the afghan culture with your parents um i think that for the black lives matter movement to explain that to our parents who I'm, were all of your parents born in Afghanistan in Afghanistan? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So I think for them that it's, it's hard for them to grasp that um, black lives matter when, when nine 11 happened, um, Afghans specifically were targeted a lot. And I think that it's hard for them to see, Oh, you know, why are we only focusing? Oh, black lives matter when we went through such rough times when we lived in Afghanistan or when we, we're here and we face so much racism and we face, so, and it, obviously it doesn't compare to what blacks go through every day because it's, you know, we're still white ethnically, but um, I mean, uh, racially, but um, um, I think that it's so much hard. It's so hard for them to understand that because they've experienced so much racism and so much prejudice towards them that like they can't grasp why um, back then people didn't want to focus on why their lives ma- mattered. And then now, um, everything's about Black Lives Matter, which I do support Black Lives Matter. I don't want to make it seem like I don't. But just putting but, it in our parents' um, perspective. No, I can understand that. And I think for yeah. them, um, specifically, like for my mom, I had to have these conversations with her, right? Because she mm-hmm. sees it. She sees what's going on. Like she saw George Floyd and she's like, she talked to me um, and I'm going to speak a little bit of Farsi here for, 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 and then I'll translate afterwards for people who don't speak Farsi. But she's like, Bachim, and I'm like, yeah, mom, this is a reality for a lot of black people. And I, I had to explain it in a way that she could get it. I'm like, you know that look that white people give you when they see you in your hijab and it freaks you out and you get scared for that split second you're worried about yourself? She's like, yeah. I'm like, imagine every time you got pulled over by a cop, you had that same fear of that every now and then when a white person looks at you and you're scared. 
I'm like, that's what black people are facing every day. And I'm like, and I had to bring up her own racism, right? Like, because everyone, everyone has had some internal biases, right? And like some subconscious biases. And I had to be like, mom, look, when you were younger, or when I was younger, I remember you like being more worried about my black friends than you were my white friends or my Asian friends. And you were more worried about my Hispanic friends than you were like my white and Asian friends. I'm like, because you were taught that, you know, black people are dangerous or Latino people are dangerous. Now imagine this on a bigger scale. If this is how you felt, like imagine how other people felt. Now imagine how they're being discriminated. You may have been nice to them, but at the end of the day, you still were worried. Now imagine if people weren't as nice as you. So I have to bring it in that level where she can she can kind of comprehend it and like, okay, you're making sense there. Like, all right, that, I get that. I do remember thinking that your friend Willie was, was more dangerous than your friend Viet. And like, I had to bring up names for her to get it. And she finally understood it when I did it that way. Yeah, I think that's a great example of like how we can have these conversations with our parents. Um, just rewinding a little on like other topics that you mentioned in terms of just like what's going on in the world. Um, when it comes to gay marriage, I remember my first experience with like um, talking to my parents about this and specifically my dad. My mom, again, got really uncomfortable and did not take part in the conversation. But um I had a really close friend in middle school who came out to me as gay. And I remember like trying to make sense of it. And so going to my parents and talking to them about it, I talked to my siblings about it too. And it was so odd to me that everyone had such a weird viewpoint around like homosexuality. And I, I feel like that conversation started at such a young age with me and my dad that like it always kind of continued anytime something would happen um, that like in politics or whatever it was that had to do with like the gay community, it, it would recharge that conversation that me and my dad started like all those years ago. Um, and I think that this is where kind of, I mean, this comes in play with everything that we're talking about, but where we lie and where our parents lie, it, it falls on like the spectrum of like, they're in one space and we're in another. And you know, when we're having these conversations, we want them to come to where we are. We're like, yes, come to this side. It's the side of like clarity. Um, but the reality is that it's, that would be a huge, crazy, unrealistic jump for them to make in most cases. And so we need to, you know, celebrate the, the tiny, like little, like hops that they're making, you know, like my dad just bringing up that conversation with me years later and like mentioning and wanting to vote in another way. Um, when it came to gay marriage was a huge thing. And I was just like, what? Like, you're asking me about this? Like, I didn't even bring it up. Um, that's a huge jump. Yes, you're still quoting, you know, things from the Quran and things like that, that, that you really cling to and hold on to and that I can see the confusion happening for you. But, but now we're talking about it and I didn't even bring it up. And that's, that's a little bit of a jump. Yeah, it's the little wins, right? You got to celebrate the yes. little wins because that's a... Uh... That's going to make the difference. Uh, speaking of politics, how do you guys have these conversations with your parents when it comes to voting? Because your parents, I'm assuming since you guys were all born here, your parents are now naturalized citizens. Am I correct in that assumption? Everyone's nodding their head in approval for, for the podcast <laughs> listeners. <laughs> um, so I literally have to fill out the ballot for my mom beforehand. Um, so I, I'll... They, in the state of California, they send you a sample ballot based on like where you live. And I'll go over the ballot with her and we'll go over every measure. And if I don't understand the measure, I'll look it up and I'm be like, okay, so this is what you're going to vote for if you say yes or no. And we'll go through it and then she'll fill out her sample ballot. And then she takes that into the, the voting poll or the polling station. And she'll just follow her sample ballot and place and vote based on that. How do you guys deal with that conversation with your parents? That's actually exactly what we do too, where we get the sample. And I think because my family, like politically, we're pretty much like on the same page. Like we basically like fill that out. We talk about it, things that I don't know. I'm just like Googling it and looking it up. But it usually like starts with my siblings where we're deciding on all of that. 
Um, and then there are things where like, okay, well, whatever you want to vote on, on that part, you, you do you, but like the core of it, we do help our parents with that because I think it's so complex and for them to do it on their own, it's a little hard. Um, but those conversations are similar with my family. So, um, I have a confession. Remember how I was telling you guys about prop eight and how, if you voted yes, it overturned gay marriage being legal. So I told my mom, if she voted no, it meant she voted no that gay marriage <laughs> would be illegal <laughs> so i got her to reluctantly vote on gay marriage being still being legal i also got her to vote on medical marijuana becoming legal or recreational marijuana becoming legal in the state of california and i told her afterwards and she cussed me out she's like shut up a sag you made me vote for chaps <laughs> but it, it was it, sometimes you have to sneak some shit in you know like Again, being the asshole that I am, I, I'm able to sneak some shit in like that. You'd be more of an a-hole if you didn't tell her afterwards. I think oh. the fact that you told her afterwards kind yeah. of that away. But well, we'll find other examples of yeah. you being that. I told her afterwards <laughs> about like the, the marijuana one. I didn't tell her about the same-sex marriage one because I think she would have completely cussed me out. Um, so are there conversations that you guys think that we can have now with our parents that maybe one generation above us couldn't have or even that they couldn't have with their parents, right? Because there is a divide. I feel like we're going to be more lenient with our kids than our, than our parents were with us. And then they're going to be even more lenient with their kids than you know we were with them. Is there one conversation that sticks out to you that you think like the generation above me could never have this conversation? For me, I'm going to say dating, right? Like I'm I'm able to have these conversations about dating with my with my mom. And I think I've talked to a lot of my other millennial Afghan friends and they've been able to talk about dating with their parents that I don't think a Gen X person could have or or whatever generation our parents are boomers couldn't have with whatever our grandparents are the greatest generation or whatever the hell they want to call. I don't know what these generations are called anymore at this point. I know boomers, millennials, and Gen Z and Gen X. Yeah, I, I think of two things, like one, definitely like dating and relationships and like the courtship before getting married and all of that. Um, the other thing I think is religion, because I think for our parents, they learn the, their religion based off of how their parents practiced it. And they had maybe the Quran to go off of. And we were com completely exposed in a different way. We have the Internet. We have scholars that we can turn to. There are so many different sources um, that we can go to to learn about our religion. And so we start questioning that and we start asking questions and it's things that our parents never really thought about, um, mainly because they just thought that that was the way it always was. And um, I've noticed that that has been um, something I've been able to discuss with my parents. And I, I imagine that it would be very difficult for them to do the same with theirs. Are, do they respond well to you when you like bring up stuff about religion? like, Or do they question your sources or try to say like no you're wrong i know this better than you yeah so it sounds like my family we're always getting along that's not always the case it's like every family has their thing i think with my family um with my mom specifically like we both started becoming more religious like at the same time like i was around 16 when i started relearning about my religion and i would just bring things to my mom i would google it and i'd be like mom like why are we doing fun like this isn't part of fun is um i guess the translate maybe does you can help me translate what spun is it's um it's called wild rue it's a black seed that they burn oh. um that's supposed to take away the uh evil eye yeah um, i put so, in quotes for us but it also has medicine it's called what was that i uh, spadanya spadanya that's what it's in Pashto. yeah yeah that's what it's called in Pashto. In Pashto. Oh. yeah supposedly but, it has some medical benefits too but yeah. But I, yeah, things like that, or like, you know, I would hear like, oh, don't like clip your nails at night. It's like, like, gunameta, like it's a sin to do it. And I would hear all these things. And I'm like, mom, like I'm Googling it. Like Mufti Mink's not saying this is true. <laughs> like, can we just like confirm and have a conversation about it? And she was learning at the same time. And we slowly stopped doing those like superstitious cultural things. And I was able to remove, we were able to remove that from our household early on. Um, and I feel like I discovered what my religion actually is versus like the religion that my, my parents learned um, from their parents. And, and they were more open to learning what we had to because of those like resources and stuff that we have. 
Yeah, I 100% agree with you, Sultana. I was thinking that too. I feel like the conversations around religion, I've noticed a shift in it as I've gotten older with my family. Um, it's become more spiritual than it has like following rules or like it, it's become more about what you should do than what you shouldn't do, which, you know, I feel like when I was a lot younger um, and with like older generations, there was just kind of this like rule book that you had to follow of like, you have to fast during Ramadan. You have to pray five times a day. You have like you have to do this. You have to do this, and mm-hmm. it was almost embedded in like I don't know. I don't, I want to say fear. Like there was always this response of like if you don't do this, this is what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas because I think the same thing, internet and scholars like shout out to Sahib Webb, who like I <laughs> like am always sending things that he says to my dad and being like, what do you think of this? Yeah, um, and. <laughs> it's it's been really helpful to like have that conversation and and for me too to like regain a sense of uh, like closeness to it um like that's been really helpful and I do feel like that's shifted so much over the years um adding on to what Susan said I I really do see how like when we were um at least for Susan and I when we were younger um there it was always so embedded like you know you have to do your prayers you have to like read the Quran you have to you know, it was just like there's no freedom, um, at least for me, at least. There's no freedom. There's no, like, um, I'm going to need you to cut this out, but there's no, like, uh, what is it called? Like, free room. Um, there's no, like, like range space? for us to, like, yeah, there you go. There's no range for us to be able to, like, maybe decide, oh, maybe this isn't what I want to do. Maybe this isn't what I feel is right for me. It was always just, like, this is what you should be doing. Um, and I think that like Susan mentioned also, um, there was fear instilled in it. And so uh, when I went to Sunday school, um, there wasn't even a choice in it. Like it was, you had to go. And I think that as we got older and um, as we began to learn uh, more about the religion, our my at least my parents, they gave us more the option of decide which path would you like to go down because they, um, because um they want us to like go on our own journey and they want us to figure everything out for ourselves because um, forcing religion onto somebody isn't the right way to go. And I think that after seeing so long of them for them doing that to us, like when we were younger and seeing how much we didn't um, find ourselves in religion, when they let go of that and when they finally like let us find it for ourselves, I think that um, they saw that we were a lot happier with that. And that when we found it for ourselves, like for example, um, around Sultana's age, um, I had found, like, I had come back or circled my way around um, back to religion more when I was about to turn 18, when I was, like, in my late 17 years. Um, I found my, I, like, put myself back onto that path, and I found myself being more happy with that, um, being able to make my own choices on it and, like, go with my own free will with it instead of me being forced and, like, my parents having to constantly remind me, oh, you need to do this, you need to do that. I think that it just opens your mind up a little bit more and to be able to talk to your parents about that I think it just makes them happy to know that you um, found your way there instead of having like instead of growing up with them uh, with their forceful tendencies (laughs) so I'm gonna ask uh, two more final questions uh, just because we're getting close to the hour mark Um, is there one conversation that you still wouldn't have with your parents and we can keep it like very short you don't have to like go into detail about why because it's a it's a difficult conversation that you don't want to have with your parents so you probably don't want to have it Mm -hmm. on air publicly to the i don't know five afghans that listen to this podcast (laughs) i'm kidding there's more of you um but for me like i would never talk about my sex life with my mom right like i could never bring it up i don't care if i'm married uh if i you know like my wife gets pregnant she's gonna think that like I'm going to tell her that we did like, what is it? Utero fertilization or whatever. In vitro. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> that is one conversation that I could never have with my mom. Right. Like it's, it's just, it seems so weird to me. Maybe I'll have that conversation with my son and my daughter, but I'll never have that conversation with my mom. And then whoever wants to. Okay. Yeah, for me, it's also <laughs> sex. Oh my God, I, I, I cringe just thinking about it, which is unfortunate. I feel like we need to get into that another time of why we can't talk to our parents about sex because sex is healthy and it's just, 
it shouldn't be as taboo as we've made it. Um, but I think sex, drugs, and alcohol are like my top three that I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to talk to you guys about this. <laughs> I'm scared. I feel it. And then, um, I, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, I think since I'm like still a baby to my parents, because um, I still am one. <laughs> You're I definitely not. About, um, I mean, <laughs> until them I am. But um, I think that talking about boys in general to my parents, I just don't feel comfortable with that. And like, I don't see, I mean, um, my cousin that's my age right now, she's engaged at the moment. Um, and so I think that's like opened up my parents a little bit, but, and like my mom has like talked to me a little bit about it, like talk about marriage with me. And I'm just kind of like, no, I'm okay. I'm 19. But, um, just in general talking about boys, even bringing them up, I just get so uncomfortable. I just, I, that's something I don't like talking about. We're going to work on that. I'm going to do like a little triangle with me, you, and your mom, and we're going to talk about boys. (laughs) I'm I'm okay. (laughs) I was like thinking as you guys were answering, because I feel like it it depends on the parent. Like with my mom, you know, I mentioned before how close we are. I mean, like literally like everything's on the table. Like we can talk about any of it. Like I've I've had every conversation you can imagine. But I, I guess with my dad, I think about that. I'm like, okay, well. So I like, I personally, like, I don't date, like, I I would like to wait for marriage and all of that. Like, I don't think I could ever, even like telling my dad that I think like a guy is cuter. I like someone like, I'm like, how am I going to bring that up with him? Like my Pashtun father, who's like, who moved from Afghanistan is from like Pakistan. I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to tell him that. So maybe this conversation today will help me brainstorm some ideas. (laughs) That's fair. I totally get it. Uh, and then last question before we head out of here, um, and I'm going to go in reverse order. So I'm going to ask uh, Sultana to, to start and then we'll end with me. Um, if there's any advice that you could give to others about having like difficult conversations with your parents, what advice would you give? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's about having like an advocate, um, whether if you have like an older sibling or an older cousin, an uncle, an aunt someone who you can talk to and go to um, and have these conversations with and be like, Hey, like, I want to be able to talk to my parents. Like, is this a conversation you would mind like being included in? Like, could I have you come and sit in and actually talk about this and maybe bring it up with my mom or dad, having someone there to just advocate for you and your thoughts, I think is really helpful. Um, I think for me personally, growing up, I was able to bring my brother into a lot of conversations and be like, Hey, like, you know, my brother did this, you know, and he would kind of, um, <laughs> sorry. my brother would be, no, you're good. My brother would be the one who would, uh, help bring up some difficult topics for me when I was younger. So yeah, try to find an advocate out there for you. Sharifa. Oh, um, I didn't know if you wanted me to talk. Um, I think it's also really important to be patient Um, Because I think it's hard for us to, like, understand that our parents most likely didn't go through this when they were our age, where they, like, struggled to talk to their, or, like, that they even wanted to really have that type of relationship with their parents, or that they did in general. Um, And I think that we just have to be really understanding and opening to, like, this is new territory for them, too. Not only is it new territory for us, but, like, they don't understand how to handle these types of conversations, too. Um, you just got to be patient. You know, you don't want to push everything onto them all at once. You kind of want to take it one step at a time. Um, I think that's the best way to go. And that compromise is needed. It's not like everything is going to go your way. Um, you know, your parents aren't going to give you everything you want. Unfortunately, you just kind of have to find a middle ground with them. Yeah, I would say one, um, you know, it ties really nicely into what you're talking about, Sharifa, because it is a lot of patience when we're having these kinds of conversations with anyone, but especially with our parents who have such a, you know, big part um, in our lives. Uh, I would definitely say making sure that we, um, it's going to sound weird, but it's like setting low expectations. Um, And I don't mean that in such a way of like, just recognize that you can't have this conversation with your parents. I mean, don't expect them to come to exactly where you are um, right away. Like, it does take time, and it is something worth investing that time into for them and for you, because the reality is that most of our parents haven't had these conversations with their parents. 
So how do we make sure we're validating the fact that this is maybe their first time having this conversation too, um, as well as yours? And so how do we both navigate that together? Um, and one of the biggest things I always um, bring up in family therapy that like I'm just such an advocate for only because I think it makes a big difference is using I statements versus you statements. Like when you're using you statements, it's very accusatory when you're like, but you're like this and I don't understand why you do this. And it becomes very like we're attacking um, versus like saying things like, I just feel blank when this is happening or whatever. So, you know, using statements like that to really try to, um, bring it back on like how you're impacted by certain things. Like, how do we share that? How do we share our impact and genuinely hear their response? Yeah. Like, turn the, turn the guilt meter on. I like it, <laughs> but it's not even the guilt thing. No, it's more, <laughs> our parents respond really well to that. Yeah, right. Um, but it's also just kind of, you know, creating a space for them to try to understand where you're coming from and you doing the same. It's so important for us to do that, to like genuinely get curious about why your parents don't want you dating. Genuinely get curious about why your parents don't want you to go to college, because sometimes they have misconceptions involved in that and we can help, you know, address some of those things. But yeah, so just just a few a few things. My biggest advice to anyone who wants to have a difficult conversation with their parents is be persistent, right? Um, it's going to suck at first. Like having a difficult conversation with anyone sucks, right? Like you ever try to tell one of your best friends something wrong that they're doing or like something like how you're feeling? It's not a fun conversation to have difficult conversations with anyone, especially your parents, because they're not going to they don't see things the same way that you do because they weren't brought up the same way you were. They're not the same age group as you. They're not living the same experiences as you. But be persistent and don't give up. Um, meet them at a level that they can understand because your parents at the end of the day, for the most part, um, I know Susan will probably have some horror stories, but your parents for the most part at the end of the day will always love you. Afghan parents will always love their kids, right? They may resent you, but they'll love you, right? And they'll, they'll, they'll be there for you for the most part. So keep trying with them don't let one negative experience be the end all be all because look i had a negative experience talking about same-sex marriage with my mom back in 2008 we're in 2020 and she's very pro lgbtq relatively compared to what she was then versus now and that was just years of conversation so you have to keep trying and keep pushing them to be more comfortable in their uncomfortable spaces now with that advice, we're going to bid you all adieu. Uh, Sultana Sharifa, thank you for joining us on this call. Um, I know uh, it's, it wasn't a very easy conversation. It was a very difficult conversation, talking about difficult conversations. So <laughs> thank you uh, for, for joining us. Um, is there anything that you guys want to plug? Um, because, you know, you guys are doing us a favor. If you guys have any, like, social media or anything that you want us you want to plug, give a plug or tell us what your favorite TV show is, just whatever you want to hype up. This is your chance. Uh, Sultan, I'll let you go first here. I have no plug. Don't follow me on social media, please. Okay, <laughs> I like thanks. to keep my followers minimum, but you can follow some of our network. There That's my go. plug. <laughs> you don't have to plug yourself. You could plug something else if you want. You could just tell us, hey, I want you to watch, I don't, I don't know, um, The Big Bang Theory. I don't know why that show came in my head first. I'm drawing a blank. I'm sorry. Cut this out. <laughs> You're good. Do, do we, do we want to cut out the plugs? Shreva, do you have anything to plug? Um, if you guys want to watch Vampire Diaries, you guys can go <gasps> I love that. Vampire Diaries. Yeah, I'm almost done with it now. Team that's that's our official plug. Same level. Yeah. I'm, Listen, team, I'm team both. No, you, you have to pick one. Listen, you're talking to an OG Vampire Diary fan who watched it from the beginning, okay? I was 17 when I watched it. It's my favorite show. Yeah, I've I, was, seen it I started watching it a few years ago, but then I yeah. stopped, and now I'm starting again. But I think I'm Team Stefan. <laughs> okay. You're Team Stefan? Oh, yeah. Okay. 100%. I've never watched it. Team Lestat. <laughs> team Damon. All Lestat? the way. Isn't that from Interview with the Vampire? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's my uh, only vampire. No, nah, no. Nah, you got to be Team Enzo and Bonnie. Oh, I, I do know. like them too. Yeah. yeah. Team Enzo and Bonnie, baby. Um, so thank you guys. Uh, you could catch the Samawar Network on Instagram at the Samawar Network. 
We're on Twitter at the Samovar Network, Facebook, Facebook.com slash the Samovar Network, YouTube. Just search up some of our network on there. You'll find this on there. Um, we revamped our website. Thank you, Sultana, for that. So samovarnetwork.com. Um, if you want to contact us, there should be a way for you to link us on the website, or you can email us directly at network at gmail.com. So if you have any ideas for future podcast episodes, shoot us a link on there, or shoot us a, an email and tell us, like, what should we talk about? Because we're very open to hearing from the Afghan community. Um, so for Susan and myself, thank you. And we'll catch you guys later. The Sandivar Network. The Sandivar Network.